I wanted to share something. So I just want you to know, Tians is sitting back there. We had a meeting this week. So I want you to know that I was very emphatic this week when Tians met with me. And he said, are you going to do a part three of the end is glory? And I said, absolutely not. Two parts is finished. It's done. That's it. So when I was preparing, I just decided that I wanted to share something else this morning, something completely different. I thought I would do it. Well, you see, the last week was the end is glory too. So this is different. This is number three. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go and try and go quick. And uh, this is a much more practical message this morning. And so remember, we looked at the three worlds. I'm going to draw it up over here. But we spoke about the fact that when we look at Scripture, that there are three worlds. So there's world one, world two, world three. World one ended with the flood. World 2 ended with uh, the destruction of Jerusalem with fire, and that's why there's so many references to fire. Just very interesting, when John the Baptist came and he was introducing Jesus, he said this, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with? Fire. With the Holy Ghost and with? Fire. So we got the fire of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Those who rejected Jesus got this fire. I thought I'd just leave it there, leave it, just mentioning it. Okay. So now we've looked at that basically that this year is the generations will never end. The earth will never end. This world, it's world without end. Is that okay? It continues into eternity. And it was because of the cross of Jesus, which happened about 40 years before AD 70. Now this period over here is a period of glory. Is that all right? Our time is any time. Remember that when the law was introduced, it came with a level of glory. It was a fading glory. It was a passing away glory. It was a glory that was always going to end. Always. And so this whole period of here, world three, is about glory. And that's why Moses couldn't look into the face of God. He had to be hidden and put into a cleft of a rock. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, we now behold the glory of God in the face of Christ. Unveiled faces. And we are being transformed from glory to glory. In other words, from this glory that we had there. And then the glory received through the cross of Christ. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of the hope of glory. So when we became Christians, we already received the glory, but this is the hope of the full glory, and that's why we are going from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing. Amen? In other words, there should be more glory in us now than there was last year. Woo. Amen? And so I want to talk about this period a little bit. So glory is paramount. So I want you to know that this message is, it came out of a prophetic lie because I said absolutely not. I repent, tears, and whoever else I said it to. But not only that, this message is for Bev because she loves the practical messages, okay? So this morning I'm moving out of a lot of like doctrinal stuff and I want to touch on living in this period. So Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, I'll be using the New American Standard Bible mostly, but if we have a look at it, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, he says, to this end also we pray for you always, to this end. In other words, 
Paul is talking over here during this time when he's writing the book of Thessalonians. He's indicating this time. He's talking about this time over here. And he says, but I'm praying for you. And there's a purpose, a purpose. There's an end. Okay, remember we saw end was termination or end was purpose. But over here, the word end, he's saying the purpose for which I'm praying for you. The purpose. Okay, the purpose for which I'm praying for you is the following. And then he starts launching into his teaching. So what end? To appear and be recognized for all that God is, is what he's talking about. So now we're going to start looking at what this end is. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, the New American Standard, chapter 1, verse 11. To this end, also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling. But so to this end I pray. Now I want you to go back to verse 10. Because in verse 10, he's talking about something that is coming. When he comes, okay? Remember I said to you that there will be a coming. There will be an appearing of Jesus. Is that okay? But he will come to us when we are fully in glory. When we are matured, manifested sons of God, then he will come. Is that okay? He's not coming to a broken, run-down, battered, bruised church that's just about to give up to the devil. No, no, no. He's coming back to a victorious. He shall appear in glory. When will he appear? When there's glory on the earth. In us. Is that okay? So he will come. When he comes, he will come to be glorified in. Everybody say in. In. In his saints on that day. And what else? To be marveled at among all who have believed. For our testimony to you was believed. In other words, you Christians. And so he says, when he comes, there's a twofold purpose. Number one, to be glorified in us and to be marveled at by us. So now there's a whole process to this. So in other words, he's coming and, uh, to appear and to be recognized for all that he is, for all who he is. And then also to be made great, to be magnified and to be praised. The word glorified has got several meanings, but let me just split it into two. Number one, when I am glorified by him, it means that I'm changed into his character and nature. Okay, I'm transfigured. But out of that, my life then glorifies him which means it praises him, it magnifies him, it extols him. So when he comes to be glorified in the saints, in other words, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your mind on things above. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the, the majesty in heaven. Okay? He says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ, in God, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with Him in glory. It's there in the Bible. So all I'm doing is I'm putting verses together just to help make sense. So the whole end, the whole purpose, the glory of God is paramount. God's glory is paramount. It's key in the scripture. The greatest theme in all of the universe is the glory of God. And that God is glorified. It is the apex of God's revelation. is for he himself 
to be glorified in the entire universe. So the Westminster Shorter Catechism of the 17th century says this, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Woo! So what is yours and mine chief purpose? To glorify God. So in other words, if God will be glorified when there's full glory in me, guess what our goal is? Glory. So the end is glory. Okay. So glory is paramount. We exist in order to glorify Him. The chief end of everything is to bring glory to God. That's why David says in Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. Day to day pours forth speech. Hallelujah. Animals, the beasts of the field shall honor me. Is it incredible that creation, you know, the bookies, Bambi is going to glorify God? Amen. Everything, everything. Even the angels, when they came singing because they saw the baby, the infant Christ, they say, glory to God in the high. So listen, so the whole purpose is glory. Amen. So glory to God in the highest. David said this. I love these verses. Psalm 16, verses 8 to 9. But I'm just going to take out two sentences. I have set the Lord always before me. In other words, David is saying, I'm seeking the glory of God. He's my focus. Okay? Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Verse 9. And then he goes on to say, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. I'm going to just throw it in here, okay? When we seek His glory, there we find joy. Now, often we think joy is finding something else about ourselves, but no, 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 the joy comes when He's glorified. Because I set ever the Lord before me. Okay, so conversely, Romans chapter 1 verses 19. These are amazing verses. Some people stumble over them, but they're in the Bible, so listen to what it says. He's talking about unbelievers. He said, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Now, he was talking about the unbelievers who are regressing to the point where they give up the glory of God in exchange, and he talks about that, you know, they become genderless and, and all of this kind of thing, and it says man burns with lust for man and woman for woman. And he's talking about the fact that they're giving up on the glory of God. They're exchanging the glory of God for a lie. In other words, God is not glorified in that. Read Romans 1. And so Paul says, but they are without excuse for two reasons. Number one, because of the conscience that I've put within them. And number two, because my power is already made known in the universe. God did not leave himself without a witness. And so he says, all they've got to do is look at creation and listen to the conscience that I've put in you. And he says, and you will know and understand what my glory is and my purpose is. So in other words, it's key. So now we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. Again, because he says, when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at amongst all who believed for our testimony to you, you believed. So this is all for believers. He'll be glorified in us and we'll be transformed 
into the full stature, the full measure, the perfect man, Christ, and then he gets the praise. All right. So now what is the process? So we're going to just quickly go through the process. Everybody following? You getting something so far? This is a more practical message now. So here's the process. So Peter talks about this. In fact, most of the New Testament writers talk about it. But 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter says this, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Just hold that verse there. Okay, so what does Peter say? We know that in 1 Peter, he talks about craving for the Word as of pure spiritual milk so that we can grow thereby. How many of you know the Word is key? Is that the word key? That's why I teach the word the way I do, because the word is key. I don't want to give you a pop sermon and just a little bit of encouragement. I want to give you the word. Okay? Good. All right. So he says, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, the first thing is the grace of God that came to us. Amen? But it was grace and truth. So truth came, and the truth is where we get our knowledge of him. And you're going to find the knowledge in the Word. And he says, but you need to be growing and in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So to Him be the glory. So I'm going to just put another thing. So here it is. Growth as a Christian, growth equals giving glory to God. When you're growing, God is glorified. You're being glorified. But God is getting glory. Amen. So now we're going to go, my key verses are, yeah, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 to 12. So Paul says this, to this end, we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. Verse 12, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Two powerful, powerful verses that I think maybe we ought to memorize these verses because here the Apostle Paul is talking about this whole period, this whole world practically now, And he's going, yes, the end is glory. This period is glory. In the end, there'll be glory. But hey, hey, he wants the whole world filled with his glory, but he wants the whole world filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Amen? And that will come when the glory is in me and it's manifest. The glory is in you and it's manifest. Well, how we get to that glory? Well, here Paul tells us two verses. He tells us this is how you get to the glory. I'm so glad you're excited and that you always wanted to know this. Woo! Amen? You always wanted to know this. Okay, so there's two things. Paul uses God and Jesus interchangeably because he talks about the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the power of God and there's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses it interchangeably. Why does he use it interchangeably? Because the power of Jesus that he makes available to us is purchased power. So when the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that he says that being strengthened with all might, you know, according to his power that is at work within us, different verses, that power that is within us is the power of God 
but it's also the power of Christ because by his work on the cross, he purchased that power for us. When I got saved, I got saved and that power was placed into my spirit. So it's a purchased power. So now I'm going to quickly go through. These two verses give us eight points, eight points, and I've got to do it quickly. Number one, the apostle Paul says this in verse 11, that our God may make you worthy of his calling. Look at, just point to the person next to you and say, you're called. Amen. Every believer, every believer is called. Amen. You are called. You're not an accident, you know, you're not an accident waiting to happen. You're not here accidentally. You are called by God. Amen. He knew you by name. He knew you when you were being formed in your mother's womb. And I want to tell you, myself, yourself, every single one of us, we have got the same overall calling on our lives. Different functions within it, but we've got the same calling of God on our lives. Same call. No difference. Amen. And so he says that God may make you. God may make you. God may make you. Now, often we relegate a lot of stuff to God, okay? But now listen, He is the originator of everything. The power comes from Him. Christ purchased it, deposited in Him. But I want you to know that God is working with you. Amen? God is working intentionally with you. That's why you go through the stuff that you go through. Because God is he's working with you woo, and for you. And He's working on you. And so the calling of God is that glorious destiny that he has for you. And that destiny is to be a part of his kingdom, to be a part of and shaped by his glory, to be glorified with his glory in the kingdom. That's his purpose, okay? So uh, if you want to know a verse for it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 13. Listen to what Paul says. Just as you know, Thessalonians, how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Just incidentally, I'm not the Apostle Paul, but that is the way I feel about you, as your father. And that's why I preach and teach the way that I do, Okay. And then he says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. There it is. Amen. So the calling, make you worthy of his calling. What is the calling? To walk worthy in his kingdom and in his glory. Sure. I think that's really awesome. So your calling is to be in the kingdom of God. Your calling is to share in the glory of God. So the second thing, so number one. Number one, we said, is the calling of God. And number two, the second thing that the Apostle Paul talks about is that God is making us worthy of that calling. He's making us worthy of that calling. That's why Paul says continuously, he says, I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ took a hold of me. He says, I'm pressing on towards that high heavenly calling. What is the high heavenly calling? Glory and kingdom, okay? And so God is making us worthy of that calling. Being made worthy of something doesn't mean that we deserve it. It's just that he's preparing something that he's graciously given us. Is that okay? And being made suitable for it. Number three. Oh, I just love this. This is the practical. So worthy of the calling. And you know, all of this indicates 
the calling came from God, and it, in, it's, it somehow implies that God is making you worthy of his calling. And he has to be involved because we can't do it. Okay? All right. So number three. I just love this one. Number three. To this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of his calling. And listen to this. And fulfill. And I'm going to put a word in there. And fulfill every desire. Or two words. Or, or, and fulfill your every desire for goodness. And the work of faith with power. Just, we're going to just come back to that verse. Let's just hold it there. So what is God going to do? I mean, he's called us. He's working on us to make us worthy of his calling. The power has been purchased by Christ on the cross. It's been deposited in us. He's given us his word. He's given us a body to be a part of. But the third thing, he says that God will help to fulfill every desire for goodness. Church, here comes our part. Here comes our part. Here comes what we've got to do. We've got to desire. We have to long for. We have to pursue every good thing from God. And what would be the context of the good thing? Amen? In other words, um, growth equals glory. So the calling of God, we need to pursue what we've been called for so that we can be worthy of that calling by us desiring every good thing, having purpose. In other words, as Christians, we need to be living purposely, intentionally, living for the good of, and, uh, the good of our own lives and for the glory of God. Amen? So our good resolves fulfill. There is a fulfillment, therefore, in the exercise of that being made worthy of the calling. There is a fulfillment of our good resolves. So the Christian life is a resolving life. It's a life. It's a planning life. It's a life of purpose. It's a life that we live intentionally, purposefully. Amen? Listen, part of you coming to church this morning is a good purpose. We heard the judgments in the, in the offering. The good purpose. I mean, the giving, the giving message. All of those are good purposes, okay? I mean, if you go to the book of Titus, just the book of Titus alone, Paul is telling Titus over and over, he's a pastor um, in Crete. And he, over and over again, he's basically, the theme of Titus is, teach your people, Pastor Titus, how to do good works. How to pursue everything that is good. In other words, your Bible reading time, your quiet time, is pursuing that which is good. Amen. Your witness to verbally to people is, is good. Yeah. Living right in front of unbelievers and in believers, living the Christian life correctly, is pursuing good. Yeah. It's living intentionally, understanding that I'm cooperating with the high call of God on my life. And I'm living in a way that makes me worthy by his power of the calling that is on my life. Then every good desire. Pastor John, can you desire a job or a good job or a better job? Absolutely. Can I desire a better car? Absolutely. Can I desire? Yeah, yeah. You can desire all of those things. But what we need to desire above all of that, beyond that is that when he appears, he's glorified in us 
and marveled by us. And in fact, you know, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, I, mean, I think it's 2 Peter 3.18, is that unbelievers will look at us and glorify God for our good works. Amen? Amen. They would look and go like, these people are amazing. These people are different. These people are, I didn't tell you. I was supposed to tell you last week something good. And then I joked and I said, it's the offering, time for offering. Remember that? How many of you remember the story of Margaret with cerebral palsy? The young lady that I prayed for in in Ireland, in the church in Belfast. How many of you remember that? And so last week, Monday night, when I did the leadership meeting, Pastor Kevin said to me, oh, John, we've been meaning to. So they're going to take a video clip and send it to me. They've been meaning to tell me. They said we were just so busy in and out of the UK and Ireland and stuff like this. They said, Margaret walked into church last Sunday. No walker. She was just holding gently onto somebody's arm when she walked into church. Cerebral palsy with a walker, walking like this. And when we prayed for the power of God here, the bones started cracking, her legs straightened out. She stood for the first time in many more years than she can remember, walked for the first time. Amen. And last Sunday she walked into church. Come on, I think. How many of you know God is glorified by miracles and healings? That's why in John chapter 2, he thus revealed his glory. Come on, somebody say glory. So listen, one, he's also a pastor, John, that wrote this. He says, God has given every one of you wills, a will. And he intends for you to use your will to make plans and purposes and designs and intentions and resolves to do something right and beautiful and good every hour of your day. That's why we have brains and wills and volition. Are you all listening? I'm going to read it again. God has given every one of you wills. And He intends for you to use your will to make plans and purposes and designs and intentions and resolves to do something right, something beautiful, something good every hour of your day. That's why we have brains and wills and volition. Look at the person next to you and say, Pastor John was just talking to you right then. Okay. Number four, this is what the apostle says, verse 11, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Now, we have got to have the resolve. We've got to have the intent. We've got to have the volition. Is that all right? But it's God's power in us that brings it about through a commodity called faith. That's why he's given you the gift of faith. Amen. So I'm making plans. I've got intentions. God, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. This is what I want to overcome. Oh God, your power is at work within me and I'm aiming for the high calling of God. And I believe that, Lord, you can heal my temper. You can heal my impatience. You can heal this. Oh God, deliver me from me. By faith in the power of God 
and he transforms us. Woo! By the power of God. We know that it's God's power, but the incredible thing is that he's placed that power inside of us. So that kind of takes care of this argument, you know. Well, that's just who I am. You must just accept me the way I am. No, 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 no. There's a process. Isn't that right? Yes. I'm just used to being like this. Come on, get an intention. Get a resolve to be someone different. To be conformed into the image and likeness of Christ. Amen? To be like Jesus. Come on, I told you this is practical. This is, today is practical. Isn't that okay? Come on, you don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be dependent on substance. Amen? I mean, I think God's had enough of miserable children when he's done so much for us. You know, just, come on, by the power of God in you, put a smile on your dial and just be nice, you know? Be a Christian. You know what I mean? Everybody with me? Because of the power of God in us, by faith. Woo! And that's number five, by the works of faith. I've already touched on that. By the works of faith, Paul says. By the works. Notice it's works of faith. For it is by grace that you are saved. Not by works so that no man can boast. We are saved by grace through faith so that no one can boast. But that's Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9. But verse 10 says, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works so that no one can boast, unto good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen? So we don't get saved by works. So as I'm coming to the cross, no works, just faith. Once I've been at the cross of Christ and I walk away from it, there are works by faith. Post-salvation. But even those works are grace. Okay. All right, everybody good? Okay. By works of faith. Point number six, and I'm nearly done. Verse 12. So that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. You see, as we are glorified, as we're changed into his image and likeness, he's glorified, magnified, praised, honored, extolled in the process. Other pastor John says, all God's power now, because of the cross and our connection with Jesus, is pouring on us for our good. Amen? So, number six, we're talking about his glory in us. Keep in mind everything I've said before, 2 Corinthians 3.18, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, God who said, you know, let light shine out of darkness has spoken. He's light into our hearts, and uh, he's given us the knowledge of the light of the glory of God so that we can see that glory in the face of Christ. Isn't it amazing that Moses, that mighty, powerful, awesome man, was not allowed to look at the face of God? God had to hide him. We come and we get born again. He says, look at my face. The face of Christ, the face of God, same face. Amen? Same face. We can look at his face. And so he's putting his glory in us. 
And that's this process of here which will continue. And that's what creation is in groaning and travailing for, looking for, longing for the sons of God to be manifested. Because when we manifest, we liberate creation from its subjection to decay. Then he comes. Then he appears in and among us. And we go, wow. And he, we glorify him and go, God, your salvation is so much. We marvel at him. Amen. In the process, all unbelievers are watching us and looking at us. And they're giving glory to God because of the good works. So, so his glory in us. And then we are then glorified in him. I just think this is so beautiful. Such a practical message, hey? Amen. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. He purchased and provides the power by covering all our sins and providing for all of our right standing with God so that we can be conformed into Christ's likeness. Number eight. I touched on it in the beginning, but here it is. It's all by grace. It's all by grace. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified, verse 12, in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? Last yep. verse, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. So that the, as to this salvation that I'm talking about, the prophets who prophesied, 1 Peter 1, 10 to 11, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Amen? The sufferings of Christ. You know, like now, there's just verses running through my mind. I mean, I could really preach now, but I'm not going to, okay? The sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. You know, there's two passages in the Bible that talk about if we share in his sufferings, we share in his glory. You know, a lot of people teach and preach on that and say, you see, we have to suffer for Jesus. And look, and look, and and there's an aspect in which we do in the world. But those, Romans 5 and and those, is not actually talking about that. If we participate in the sufferings of Christ on the cross, we can share in his glory. In conclusion, we're going to just back up a few verses to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. You, in fact, you re- need to read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 from the beginning. But just look at this. Paul is talking about the fact that there's fire coming in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. And that those who don't know him, it says, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Away from. Now conversely, those who accept him participate in the glory and power. Verse 10. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled among all who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. Verse 11 To this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness, every good desire, and the work of faith with power, verse 12, last verse, so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Dearly beloved, here endeth the lesson. Hallelujah. So there's the roadmap.